At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the TFL Talk podcast. And today we are talking hits and misses of 2023, except this time it's the hits and the misses of the cars that we have owned both as a company and as Nathan and I. And we're going to talk about everything you want to know. What are some of the greatest cars we've owned this year and some of the worst? That's right. And keep in mind that these are cars that we have paid for either out of our own pockets or out of TFL's pockets. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we have nothing no skin in this game other than telling you exactly what happened with them and whether or not we like them and we've got everything from like 1970s subarus through corvettes and everything in between so what we do here at tfl is we buy a number of used cars and new cars each and every year to see what they're like to live with beyond just your typical one week press loan and then we report back and we do a series of videos and we use them in drag races and towing tests and all that. And then we have our own opinions, we have our own stats of what we bought them and sold them for. We're really good at buying high and selling low. Which um, is not what we want to do. Not what we want to do, but we got a great list for you today. And we're going to start off with probably one of the most legendary. We bought this for our Toyota series, a cheap Toyota. It was a 1999 Toyota Forerunner. So this was a third generation of the Forerunner. We bought it at auction for $6,500, and then we sold it for $5,600. That's the Toyota that uh, this gentleman drove for the most part. And I think you fell a little bit in love with it, despite some of its uh, issues. Yeah, right. Now, the third generation of Forerunner is super collectible nowadays. People really are looking for these. Part of the reason is because they're small. And in this video, if, you see, if you're watching on YouTube behind us, this car is actually a full two inches shorter than a new Corolla. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. I didn't realize it was that small. Yeah, I mean, they're really itty bitty. They're also super narrow, but they're expensive. So to get into a really nice third gen now, you're going to be looking at over 10K for a really clean one. Yeah, but we got ours for a lot less, and there was a reason. Well, it was um, it was very high mileage, 250,000 miles. Now, we worked with our partners, um, Cars R Us out of South Dakota to buy this car, and $6,500 was the purchase price, uh, which was about right at the time when we bought it when the market was really strong. And then when we sold it, the market was really soft. We just sold it on Craigslist to um, a, a nice woman for 5600 bucks. So, you know, that was a loss, and then it needed some stuff as well. So that car needed... Um, uh, uh, oh man, what was the thing? It needed a new, new injector. Yeah, I put new plugs, new wires right. in it, gave it a full service, got new tires. Yes, and we really had a hard time selling it. And I think it was the mileage putting people off. It was the mileage. The thing once once the issue with the its running order was taken care of, it ran great. 
And it was fantastic on the trail. In fact, it was sort of the unsung hero because <laughs> I was driving around in something far more expensive, which we'll cover in just a second, uh, and far more capable. Yet, Tommy's vehicle, out of all of them, was the only one with a rear locker. Yeah, 100%. And look, they are so capable. I mean, I have kind of a soft spot and also a hatred toward third gens. Because when I was a kid in high school, I had this built-out Wrangler, um, big lift. It drove terribly on the road, but it looked great. I felt so cool. And then I had a friend with a bone stock third gen, and that car would go places this lifted Wrangler simply wouldn't. It was just so capable out of the box. Yeah, so it, it, was, it wasn't our best uh, buying and selling experience in terms of our financial gain. However, we did use it in multiple videos. Yeah, and I have to say, it's a little boring. You know, after driving it, you know, a couple thousand miles over the ownership experience, look, we can't hold on to the cars much longer than that because, quite honestly, you guys get bored and we have to move on and invest some money in other cars. But it just, it's a little dull to drive every day. Great off-road, but not a lot of excitement. It's kind of the Camry of Jeeps. <laughs> I like that, Nathan. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all night. The Camry of Jeeps. Now, moving on to something a little bit more sporty. So... For part of our cheap convertible series, we bought a Jaguar XK8, the first generation, a car that I've been very curious about for a long time. Bought it for $6,500 um, from our mechanic after, uh, well, the story is... Do you it's a hell of a story. Do you remember the story? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic story. This poor car. Um, so do you want to tell her? You want no, to tell you her? can go for it if you remember right, I'll, it. I'll yeah. do my best. Um, so there was a gentleman who bought this vehicle new yeah. and absolutely cherished it, drove it very well, brought it to our mechanic, Toby. And took very good care of it. Then one day, I believe with some snow on the ground, he misjudged a turn and beached the car on top of a very large boulder. We do live in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> and, yeah. and so apparently there are boulders in certain areas where they shouldn't be. And he got the entire front end jacked up into the air, stuck on this <laughs> boulder. So when Toby was brought out by, I believe, the police or whatever, you know, hey, we got to extract this car. He saw it and goes, oh, I know that car. Yeah. It wasn't it something like that? It, you're pretty much on the money, yeah. Um, this older guy had misjudged a median in the middle of the road, and I don't know how he did this, but he crashed into a sign which launched him up on top of a rock. Oh, oh, it was the sign that got him to the rock. Yeah. Oh, I thought he took the sign out as well. So yeah, he has okay. this Jaguar XK8 perched on top of this rock, um, and my dad and I see this car pulling out of my house because it's literally 500 feet from our house, which is also about a quarter mile from our mechanic, Toby. Right. So he calls Toby over to take a look at it. The cops are there. The tow truck is there. And look, this guy was a super kind guy, but he's probably 98 years old, um, as you'd expect out of a Jaguar owner. So he had launched this thing on the rock. Toby eventually bought it from him, had it as a mechanic for a long time. He um, replaced, like, the radiator. Um, he... he, he Fixed the bumper back as best he could. Some of the under the, the components underneath that were holding the lower control arms or whatever together, I think he had to redo those a little bit to make the suspension work better. Yeah, and you know, he, he was able to fix it in a way where luckily the guy had hit the sign and the sign had ended up saving the car so it wasn't a head-on with the boulder. But yeah, the car had minor damage. We bought it for 6500 Um, I found a new bumper cover for it, a new grill to make it look all nice. Um, 8700 My dad probably put the worst wrap we've ever done on this car. Okay, I didn't want to go there because he's your dad. But my God, what do you... I love the car. You see, I love... Most Jaguars, I think, are aesthetically pleasing. Almost every single one they've built, I love looking at. <laughs> and this one was no different. In fact, it's one of my... I think it's really pretty, however. For some reason, uh, Roman had some sort of love with uh, Al, uh, Aston Martin, which uh -huh. is not Jaguar, and <laughs> wanted to put on the red lipstick on it, and he did, and he put red trim on it, which he's done. He did something like this a long time ago. We had a Porsche um, that he 
put orange components on to make it look like a, a racing Porsche. You yeah. remember that? What was that? The, the Trans-Siberia kind of? Yeah, that yeah. was it. Trans-Siberia. Sorry, there goes my glasses. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, he did that with this one, but even worse, because he had like this white stripe on there and this red, and it was just, everything was wrong, and it took away from the looks, which I thought initially looked good. And the car ran great. Yeah. It, it, ran, it, ran it was really probably well. the best running amongst all the cars we had. Low mileage to this car. Now, Nathan, you drove this car in the series, and what did you think of it? I mean, would you recommend Love someone it. buy it for a used car? Okay, so here's the caveat. You have to be prepared to spend a lot of money because most of the components on there are not easily found. Even though, yes, there are, I believe the engine is shared with uh, Ford components, but it is not a Ford engine per se. As such, if you want to replace components on it, you're going to be spending a lot of money at a Jaguar dealership or a mechanic. With that being said, I love the way the car drives. If you want a proper GT car that just wafts you along, yet can still handle and has good acceleration. This is the car, and wonderful interior. Yeah, I mean, so the thing with the XK8 is it, like you mentioned, does have some Ford components, but it was arguably the start of the, the more reliable era of Jaguar, where they left like some of the stuff from the 70s and the 80s behind, went to modern manufacturing. It used a version of the AJV8, which was found in everything from the Ford Thunderbirds, the Lincoln LS, to the Land Rover LR3, and the XK8. Um, and as you mentioned, Nathan, I mean, parts can be expensive, but for the most part, unless you get some of the early cars, like the mid to late 90s cars, they're really stout reliability-wise, and I do mean that. Um, and the interiors are beautiful. They've got this them. full wood dash, this pleated leather, leather everywhere, really comfortable. It's got that J-gate shifting thing going on. It's just so cool. It does have one catastrophic flaw. The, the cowl line is far too low. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so if yeah. you're tall, um, even above, like, 5, 10, you're going to have a hard time with headroom with the top up especially. Yes, but if you slouch like I do, you're okay. <laughs> so it's just, you know, if you have osteo like Roman, you just bend over a lot and let your head drop down. You'll be able to see. Otherwise, the problem is, is that you're, the bar that connects to the roof will actually block your vision. Yeah. So that was a big problem with it. Now, we sold it for 8700 We probably broke even with it after the repairs, um, but it was an excellent little car. Not super fast. Definitely get the supercharged one if you want to go quick. Oh, yeah. That's a totally different car. Yeah, but but pretty good. So next up, Nathan, and you were involved in the purchase of this. We have our 2019 Dodge Charger that we bought from a police auction. And the whole purpose of this was to see, can you get a good used car from a police auction? Because, of course, they do have a reputation, a lot of it for a reason. And what do you think, Nathan? Good car? We always wanted a cop car. I mean, let, let's not mix words. We Everybody at TFL wanted a cool cop car. And we got one. It's not perfect. Um, the car has been through a lot. It has a lot of hours on the ticker. Uh, it's definitely, you can kind of feel that it's a little loose here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the engine runs like a champ. I don't think we've had any issues with the powertrain. All-wheel drive system is extremely stout. Yeah. And this is, it's a rare car because for getting the V8 with, it was a 2019, yeah? Yeah. Uh, with the 2019, it's very, very, if not impossible to find for your average consumer. The V6, no problem. But an all-wheel drive with the V8, very hard to find. However, they did build them for, you know, government use and whatnot. And that's this car. Uh, not fast. Not fast at all. I was surprised <laughs> yeah. at how slow it was, actually. Right. And even the new ones, I, I, I looked at it and I was like, really? The 0 to 60, is that slow? So they're not built to just tag you right off the line. They're built to eventually catch up to you, though. So the story goes that the previous gen charger with the five speed 
civilians could buy the V8 all-wheel drive yep. in that version. When they facelifted them to the new body style, um, the police still wanted a V8 all-wheel drive, but they couldn't make that work with the eight-speed auto. So the cop version got the uh, five-speed auto all-wheel drive V8. Civilians could only buy the V6 all-wheel drive with the eight-speed. Yeah, eight-speed, right. Or the V8 rear-wheel drive eight-speed. Um, so that that's why the cop version's a little special is because you could get the all-wheel drive and Hemi in the new body style. Also, column shifting, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. And something cops tend to like. More so than a, perhaps a gear lever or, an, or a dial. Now, here's the thing, right? Um, the car is 150,000 miles. Now, from what I understand after talking to a lot of folks in the know is the, the quality of buying a used cop car is really going to depend on the department it comes from. Yep. And also the use case. So this car came from the um, Wyoming Highway Patrol, which and the, the purpose of this car is it would sit there on the interstate and pull people over for speeding. Mm -hmm. um, and the director of the fleet, really honest guy, super straightforward, he said that these cars don't typically have the same issues that like a New York you know, city patrol car will have. Bullet holes and Yeah, and know, people throwing shrapnel. up in the back seat right. and grossness. So this car lived a pretty easy life, mostly on the highway. Granted, it's a lot of idling and it's a lot of hard acceleration from a stop. But the car runs great, no check engine lights. I think it's probably lost a few ponies over the years. <laughs> I think it has. Yeah. Um, the most expensive component we added to it, other than the wrap, was the um, center console. Yeah. So they, they pull out the, the console. A whole bunch of components are pulled out. In order to make it into a police car, they put a vault in there. And uh, obviously, they put in some electronics that are specific for police departments. And various police departments use different uh, components. And in this particular case, they yank it out before it goes to auction. So that's also including some components in the trunk. There was a vault in the trunk, I believe, that was removed as well. Mm. And so that leaves a bunch of holes and empty spaces. So the first thing that happens, we jump in the car, we dro drove it from Wyoming over here to uh, Boulder. Roman's just like, yeah, we got to get rid of this. We, we got we <laughs> got to put a console in here somehow. Yeah. So it, it, it took some doing, but we finally got one that fit in there, and it actually does help. And there's like a couple weird things, like um, it's got a secure park, which locks the car in park when it's idling so people can't get in. Yeah, so so you can't get out of your cuffs, jump over, put it in the gear, and take off, which apparently has happened in video. Yeah, there's a little secret button unlocked. That's got like the red-mounted dome light up top. Look, here's the thing. It's a gamble when you're any buying any used cop car. It was 8100 bucks, which is probably a full eight to nine grand cheaper than a civilian going V8 current generation. Um, so much cheaper. Car's been awesome. Uh, really good in the snow. No problems to report right now. Just had a service on it. The dealership looked it over, said, yep, car looks perfect. Uh, doesn't do the Hemi tick yet, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, there is one thing we added to it that I'm really happy about. Tell, what, them, tell them what the plate says. Uh, it says not cop. How cool is that? Come yeah. on. And just to make sure we were all kosher, like we, we wrapped the doors and we put the push bar on it because we're working on the series, Are You Faster Than a Cop Car? Right. I brought it to the um, Colorado State Patrol to make sure like, hey, are we stepping on any toes? Are we good? And the officer's like, yeah, totally fine. Car's fine. Um, it's fi kind of funny, Nathan, driving it because people do drive really slow around you. It's hysterical. And they get really mad because even when they're halfway past <laughs> you and they can clearly see the door, which says, uh, was a TFL Pursuit? Mm-hmm. Um, they still don't quite get it, and so they're still being careful. And then when they finally pull ahead of you and realize, oh, those aren't cops, then they get mad and they take off. Right? It's <laughs> almost every time that happens to me, at least. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, Nathan, next up, that card, by the way, we haven't sold yet. We paid 8100 bucks. We're going to hold on to it for the time being. Next up, we have our 1992 Mercedes 500 SL. What a bad car. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, when, when Toby took a look at that. No, this was used in our... Um, 
inexpensive convertible series or sports car series or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yep. Um, and it went up against that Jaguar. And other than it being more powerful, and it is, it's it's, it's a faster car, it, it was in just dreadful condition. We probably got the least expensive one available that ran kind of. Um, <laughs> and Andre drove that one. He loved it. But unfortunately, those cars are extremely complex. I mean, what, I mean, the convertible top itself is remarkably complex. Yeah. And guess what? If it doesn't work right, it will drain a whole bunch of hydraulic fluid inside the car. In On the your lap. On the lap. Yeah. yeah. So problems with that one, to say the least. Now, we paid 9000 for this 92. It was low-mileage car, like 50,000 miles. But the issue with it, as is the case with so many low-mileage Mercedes, is it had spent a tremendous amount of time sitting. So everything just kind of stops functioning. You know, right. there's not one thing that's like, wow, that, you know, it's got a knock in it or or it doesn't shift right. It all, it all did everything fine-ish, but it just felt a little tired. And then you mentioned the top. Hydraulic top seals fail. Mercedes wants between ten dollars and $12,000 to fix the seals at a Mercedes dealer. Toby, our German car mechanic, did it for about 2000 if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, the car is beautifully made. It looks great. Um, it's kind of quick. But uh, kind of boring to drive. Yeah, it's it's not as exciting as you might think, even though it does look like it's, you know, go, oh, it's going to go down the Autobahn and, and, you know, go fast. Yeah, probably, if it's running right. It also had some weird ticks and some other stuff going on with it, too. It <sighs> didn't run great. Um, but we did take care of a lot of it. We put a lot of money into it. So we bought it for around nine grand, and we sold it for, what, ten? Yeah, the story with selling it was pretty interesting. So... Just to clarify here, it's the R129SL. Here, I'll pull up the Wikipedia page if you want to see what it looks like on, on, on uh, YouTube. And this was powered by that M113 V8, which is a very reliable engine. The fuel injection on the early ones, not as good as the later ones. Um, but what the, is interesting about these cars, Nathan, is they're really cheap in the States. So like 9 to 10K will get you a nice one. Mm. They're really expensive in Europe. So this car was bought sight unseen by the brother of an exporter, if I get my story correct, who bought it like a day after we listed it, sent the truck over, and this thing was headed straight to Poland. Wow. Yep, that was it. They, 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 didn't, they didn't want to drive it. They, they saw it. They saw the price. Um, you know, we fixed a bunch of stuff. The car was in good running shape when we sold it. Whoop, on a boat straight to Poland. Yeah, it really, and it's frankly, it sat around way too long for us. Anyway, we used it in that one series, and that was it. As opposed to the Jaguar, which had a little bit more life in it, this one was just, we were done with it. It had to go. So next up, we have a Mazda Miata. This is a 2010 that we bought um, to see how much fun you can have in an NC Miata, which is the most unloved Miata. And this car has been great, actually. It's a NC2 is a model designation. It's a six-speed car, but it's a great little, fun, zippy two-seater convertible, super reliable. Bought it from a guy out south of Denver who was a, I think he was a second owner, took loving care of it. And I have to say, Nathan, and, and you've driven a lot of Miatas. Yes, I have. I would say that this generation of Miata is actually a little better and more livable than the brand new ND. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
The new ND, especially if you get the RF, which is the hardtop convertible, uh, not the most comfortable of Miatas, and especially if you're a passenger, the, there's this weird uh, compartment issue inside the passenger footwell area. Yeah, where the catalytic converter right. is. Right, yeah. and, and everything is just kind of mushed over. So if you are even remotely tall, you will be remarkably uncomfortable inside that vehicle. Driving it, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. This one is a better fit for taller drivers. Roman fits comfortably in it as well. 100%. And he's taller than both of us. Um, so there's that to be said. And then in addition, yeah, it's unloved, but that's actually a good thing because, I mean, they're a steel. And they run great and really efficient. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how efficient Miatas are. They're remarkably efficient. Yeah, I mean, for the price, like in this video, I compared it against a brand new ND2. Um, we haven't driven the ND3, but the ND2, and this one was like mid to high 30s. The driving experience is a little better. It's a little quicker than the NC2, but the NC is 93% as fun for, you know, less than half the price. Bought yeah. ours for 14K. Strongly recommend the NC2 Miata. It's been awesome. Good car. All right, next up, Nathan. So this is a car that is probably one of the more popular ones we've featured on the channel. It's also my favorite car I drove this year or owned this year. This is a 1999 Chevrolet Corvette, the C5 generation. Interesting vehicle because I didn't realize that you guys would take to it like you did. Yeah. And I susp I'm guessing one of the reasons why is because... It's it's sort of the end of an era with that vehicle. I believe it was was that the last one with the pop up headlights. Yep, sure was. Um, so it, it kind of it, things changed after that. It still sort of had the older design to it that was just rounded off. Uh, not everybody likes the design. I'm actually one of them who just finds the design to be eh, okay. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, what a bargain for such a powerful sports car. The funny thing about this car is I hated this car before we owned it. I always thought they were driven by old people in white New Balances. I didn't think they looked particularly good. I didn't understand it. But after driving this car for, um, you know, we, we had it for uh, uh, like six months and then I actually bought it from the company I liked it so much, I'm completely on board. So this was an LS1 powered car, grandpa spec. So it's an automatic, non-Z06, uh, non-track pack, Coupe, right? We paid fourteen for it, uh, fourteen thousand, and um, it had like forty-seven thousand miles on it, well maintained. But the amount of performance, fun, and also comfort you get in the C5 for the money is just about unrivaled from anything. Even if you don't get the Z06, even a standard automatic, you know, cruiser Corvette C5 is such good value. Easy to work on, cheap to fix. I put new brakes on it. I got it in perfect as factory condition. Um, and I think I was in it for a total of like 16 by the time it was done. And it was just a lovely car. Really good ride. Surprisingly good ride. Extremely efficient. Once again, talking about efficiency. Yeah. You know, considering the fact that you have to, I mean, this thing will just lug along at like, you know, 1100 RPM when you're flying down the highway. It's just so mellow, and at the same time, you put your foot in it, and it becomes it, it becomes alive. Right, yeah. I mean, interiors, very poor. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They, they look like something you'd find in a Happy Meals toy. But from an all-around ownership experience, there's, I don't think, any better sports car for the money. They're getting a little expensive. I brought this car to the launch of the C8 E-Ray Corvette, um, which was in Denver. I drove it there, and I had, like, the chief engineers kind of look at it and they were excited about it. It turns out a lot of like the old Chevrolet management folks are buying these cars now because they're very undervalued. They're really great performers and they're just all around fun cars. 
Makes total sense. Very good car. So next up, now this was kind of a funny story. This was actually our videographer's car that we purchased because <laughs> we thought maybe there'd be some interest in it, and there wasn't really. But it was a 1999 Toyota RAV4. Front wheel drive, mind you. Automatic. <laughs> <laughs> this poor thing. Now, it wasn't his fault. Uh, Cameraman Cole is a wonderful guy. Not a car guy. No. Um, and when he used this thing, he, he's from Portland, so you would think that he would know better. But he came to Colorado, went to school here, and drove this front-wheel drive, really knackered, uh, poor little RAV4. And it had issues. Yes. Look, it um, it was super tired. It had like 220,000 miles. And what I will say is for the price... That, which you can buy these like fifteen hundred bucks to two grand for a front wheel drive auto. It's a very reliable car, and we didn't have any mechanical issues with it over the couple thousand miles we owned it. Um, it also really turned me on to the first generation Rav4 because they're like driving a little fishbowl, huge windows, great visibility, tiny pillars. Um, you know, really slow, but they hold a lot of stuff for their size. It's just this one with the front wheel drive and the automatic was not it. It, it was a bit of a dog. Now, you know, there's a unicorn out there, and I've always wanted to get one. And that's the two-door version of this with the manual transmission and all-wheel drive. They are out there. They do exist. They're really hard to find, especially because, you know, after all this time, they're beaten to crap by yeah. a lot of the teenagers who drive them. Uh, and this one's no different. Uh, Cole did a good job beating it up, including all the other. I think he was like the fourth owner or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it had a lot of owners, but Cole bought this for super cheap when he was in college to commute to his previous job. He would um, drive around the whole state to take videography for for the estate, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, and he put so many miles in this car, didn't need anything over its time period, it needed shocks once. Um, but it just wouldn't stop running. They just go and go forever. So great cars, but get the manual and the all-wheel drive. They're expensive now. Like a good one's going to run you probably 6K. $1,500, two grand is going to be about as low as you can get one of these four. And they have very low power. Just keep that in mind. They're, they're so slow. They're, they're anemic. They're very slow. Yeah. yeah. All right, Nathan. So the next car on our list, was, list is another one I was so surprised by. Part of our cheap Jeep series this year. I hated these cars before I had a chance to really live with one, but then I came out of it loving it, the the Jeep Liberty, the KJ first generation. Right. So there's two different generations, um, and we had both. We uh, The one that we're talking about right here is the 2007 Jeep Liberty. We bought it for $3,000, and we sold it for $4,500, but we sold it also with some modifications. Yeah, so... Um, Look, these these are probably the cheapest four-wheel drive Jeeps you can buy. Most of them are going to have the 3.7 liter V6, um, but they are surprisingly awesome. So they they kind of drive like a Wrangler. They're very vertical, very upright, um, a, a little rudimentary in how they handle, but incredible off-road. You know, they're not Toyotas in terms of reliability, but parts are so cheap for them. And, you know, the thing is everyone dogs on these for being unreliable, but the vast majority of these that I see are going to have 220, 230,000 miles on them. This one at 220, I think, ran great. Transmission shifted fine. Four-wheel drive was great. Interior was nice. Pretty quiet on the highway um, and really good off-road. Yes, and because this was for a series where we decided to do a little bit of a build on some of these depending on what money was in the kitty, this one uh, was lifted and it got very large tires. Uh, it was lifted to the point to where we, we being me, uh, screwed up royally. Um, and when we were trying to figure out how we could stuff those tires under the front uh, wheel wells, 
Uh, I was working with David. We turned the, the vehicle, and it actually just ate its own uh, <laughs> water dispenser for the uh, windshield wiper uh, fluid. It, it actually ate it. Um, and other than that, though, I mean, yeah, it rubbed a bit, but it was a very good running vehicle. It actually handled okay even with the lift. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. Yeah, I mean, look, we kind of learned a lot of lessons from the Cheap Jeep series, right? Like, we're not very good at modifying cars, and we've learned that. And there's a lot more we could have done with it, um, which you all pointed out, but lockers and and um, and some more suspension work and underbody protection. You can really go kind of mad with these. Yeah, we just don't have the time to do that type of stuff often. That's what just kills us, yeah. It's just the time and getting everything organized and where things need to go. But regardless, I really fell in love with the KJ Liberty. It was my daily driver for a while. Um, and I don't think they deserve the hate they get. I mean, it was never going to – it was entering the market in a tough time, right? XJ Cherokee had died. Liberty was its replacement. And it just didn't live up to that standard. However, it drives better than an XJ Cherokee on-road. Oh, yeah. It's way more comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's got better fuel economy, better road manners, and still pretty good off-road. So I think they're okay. Yeah, they are decent. Now, I had the later version of this vehicle. You want to we'll talk cover. about that? We can just, just talk jump about right that now. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about it now. So I had a 2011 uh, Jeep Liberty, and it was the Jet Edition. <laughs> it was all black. It was blacked out inside and out. Uh, mine was basically a luxury version of it, very similar to the Dodge Nitro, which was an unfortunate offspring of this vehicle. We'll get mm. to that some other video. Um, we bought it for $6,250, and we sold it for $7,500. Now, <sighs> This thing was in great shape, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, main issue right off the bat was it had a bit of a transmission issue, which was taken care of. Yeah, we got that fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there was another issue, which we really couldn't take care of, and that was the roof, which was crap. Now, these had the MySky, some of these, but the one we had, had the MySky convertible top, which was an electric power sliding top where at a push of a button, it would slide open. And then your whole roof basically had, had this huge hole in it, which is really cool idea as a fabric yeah. material. The issue is, and here's here's the story of what happened. Um, Jeep went to one of the largest convertible top manufacturers mm-hmm. that builds convertible tops for Best everything. Well, Bosto. Bosto, that was so. It, yeah. Well, Bosto builds the convertible tops for like ninety nine percent of convertibles. They have all the patents. They have all the knowledge. Jeep went to them and said, "We want to do this as a convertible." Well, Bosto said, "Great." Here's what it will cost you. And Jeep said, ah, no, we're going to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. So Jeep had to work around the patents. They, they went with a third party, if I remember right. They had to work around all of Obasto's patents. who have patents for everything. And they had to work around um, some of the challenges of the system. And they came up with a convertible top, which is uh, not fixable when it breaks. No. They don't have any support to fix the top anymore. Um, and they all break. They have, I think, as far as I can tell from folks I've talked to, a 100% failure rate. The cables stretch. Now, there is a company in New York I heard which you can send your car to, and they have workarounds and solutions, and they're all the experts on it. But for the vast majority of people, when the top breaks, it gets stuck halfway open, and then most people silicone them shut. Yes, and then in addition, they tend to bunch up a little bit, so if you're a thief, you can easily walk up and shove your hand inside the vehicle from the top. And even when they were new, they didn't seal right. They constantly leaked. So it was such a great idea, but it was just really poorly executed. But aside from that, the vehicle itself was actually really good. Yeah, Yeah, you know what was really cool about it? Unlike the other Liberty, this one's underside was almost completely armored. Yeah. uh, Which was great. Even though it wasn't the off-road package per se, it was still totally armored underneath and 
which was great because it was the lowest of all the vehicles that was competing in this little thing we did. Mm -hmm. um, we did not put a lift on it, but we did put slightly larger, more off-roady tires on it on Steely's. Looked great. Also removed those dreadful um, sidesteps, yep. which were completely rusted through. Uh, pulled those off, which gave us a much better breakover angle. And it was just a good driving vehicle. Unfortunately, on the highway, it drove Roman nuts because that noise so from loud. the top was so <laughs> loud. It really, you know, unless you were cranking music, which, by the way, it had a pretty decent stereo, uh, you were going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I would recommend the KK or KJ Liberty. It's a lot more comfortable than the first-gen Liberty. Um much more capable off-road than the first-gen Liberty because of the traction control programming. Yep. And they're just really good. Yeah, I really like that car Same engine, though, and, and the engines are a little bit anemic. Yeah, they're and pretty just, slow. Man, they're, there's nothing special about them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, should we jump to this one here, the Subaru? Uh, let's go to the Candy, Nathan. Oh, can oh God, I didn't want to go there. Yep. Woo-wee. Okay, so for those of you who may not know this, we bought what was the least expensive new vehicle technically available in the United States. And technically is a big part of this. Right. Uh, that vehicle is the Candy K27. Yep. Candy spelled with a K, K-A-N-D-I. Uh, this is basically imported, very inexpensive electric vehicle from China to Houston, was it? Yeah. I mean, there was this company that had these huge promises that they were going to come in, revolutionize the car market. As you mentioned, based in China, uh, this was one of their cars. This was a few years ago called the K27. Um, they promised a top speed of about 60 miles an hour, a range of about 50 miles. But after tax credit, you could get it for well under $10,000. And airbags. Mm -hmm. It had um, uh, AC. And then it turns out, um, from the story I've heard, that they couldn't get it to pass regulations. Shocker, because it's basically a, a golf cart with airbags. It, uh, yeah. Um, and so that they, they they eventually sold a small number of them as low-speed electric vehicles, top speed 35. And this was like a sad story of what could have been a really cool um, mass-market EV, right? You only need to go 60 miles an hour for most people's commutes. 50 miles of range is probably enough. It had real climate control and that kind of thing. But the final product was terrible. And more impressively, the build quality was abysmal. Yeah. Everything broke pretty much on right the vehicle. Away. Yeah. yeah, either right away in terms of major mechanical failure to the uh, heating and air conditioning system not working for me when I had to drive it across town. Um, it And also the, the range meter in it was extremely unrealistic. It had a lot of issues, very slow charging. Uh, but there was enough room for me to drive it, and I'm a large guy. So that was positive. And yes, the windows rolled up and down. Look, it had features, right? It had some cool stuff. It had keyless entry. Um, it had leather-ish seats. It, it had a pretty good audio system. It had a backup camera. But uh, it, yeah, it just it, they couldn't meet the regulations, so they had to sell it as basically a glorified golf cart, and it was terrible. Yeah, the airbags, in case you're interested in buying a candy, the airbags are not certified in the United States. Those are uh, Chinese airbags, and apparently they're uh, very cheap. And so. apparently that's the reason that they couldn't get it to pass crash, from what I've heard. Uh, don't quote me on this, but from what I've read about candy is that they they, they, did, they didn't want to spend the money to put the federalized airbags in, and then, and then it wasn't going to happen. Um, candy as a company itself is an interesting checkered history in China, for example... Um, a Hindenburg research um, uh, piece came out a couple of years ago about candy. And um, according to them, there was a while there where they were taking um, federal Chinese incentives to build electric cars. But it was actually a better incentive to build the electric car 
throw it and park it in a field and take the incentive than it was to sell the electric car. Oh my god! So there's like fields of candy cars just rotting away. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a little bit backwards in terms of the way they do things. But this was, you know, we know, and, and there's actually a great video where Tommy uh, is in England and and screwing around with a couple uh, Chinese cars. We know that there's some excellent Chinese electric vehicles really out there good ones, that yeah. are more than competitive with Tesla, Mercedes, and what have you. Uh, Candy's not one of them at all. This is a very cheap, inexpensive company. Now, we bought ours for, what was it, uh, $5,370, and we sold it for $3,000. And trust me on this, I'm so happy we got 3000 at least for it. And that was a tough sale, I have to say. Um, it, it took a long time to sell that car. Um, yeah, and it actually went to a nice guy, a banker up in Wyoming, who has a four-mile commute. Um, no highways, back roads. He's like, I just want to use it to go to and from the bank. Okay, well, hopefully it'll And work. we're like, hopefully it won't break down. It should work. Um, so next up, we have my cheap Jeep in the cheap Jeep series, which was a 1961 Jeep CJ5, which looked very cool. Um, uh, or a postal truck, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, it really did look like a postal it, truck. Yes, especially when, when I bought it. Yeah, I had the hard top on it and these little tiny tires. It was a really interesting Jeep. It was just... Um, very tractor-like. It's amazing that that was people drove those, you know, on the real road back in the 60s because it really wouldn't do over 48 miles an hour. It really had no suspension. It really had very few brakes. It was a uh, pretty compromised vehicle. <laughs> it was extremely compromised. One of the one of my fondest memories of our Moab adventure with these Jeeps was Tommy having to go down hills in this thing with no engine power whatsoever, <laughs> basically having just to use muscle on the brakes in order to get it down. What I would consider pretty damn extreme um, cliffs, if, if, for lack of a better word. Um, I mean, we got it to look aesthetically great, but it did have a little bit of an issue with overheating, and uh, sometimes it would quit on you uh, when you really didn't want it to quit on you. Well, the issue was it was carbureted, and on the really steep hills, um, the, the the fuel system couldn't keep up. And then, yeah, going down really steep hills or even up some super steep hills, it would cut out. Yep. But it's amazing. Like, you know, it was a very rugged, dependable vehicle for we someone We all back voted it. It was the best, uh, you know, it was the most surprising. It did its job. Also, I think it shoved your vertebra. Another two inches out of alignment. Worst ride I felt my entire life. Yeah, it was really even worse than the uh, Suzuki, I think. Looked cool, though. It looked amazing. It had a really nice look to it. Yeah, yeah. this was an old farm Jeep from um, northern Colorado. Bought it for six from our mechanic, Toby. Sold it for $6,500. All right. right, Nathan. Now, let's talk about your cheap Toyota in the series, 1995 Toyota Land Cruiser. Okay, now here's a caveat here. Should I let them in on the secret? Yeah, let them in on the secret. Okay. I wasn't the one who wanted to buy it. Roman was, okay? Just so all you guys leave me the hell alone about this. I played the the villain. I'm okay with that. But, man, you guys, the... the you really got torn apart on that Nathan's one. Nathan's cheating. He knows better. Yes. Okay, come on. This is for video. <laughs> what happened was um, we were going to buy a Sequoia, and we went to the auction, and we, we didn't go deep enough, my fault as well, not going underneath and really looking at where the pinch welds were and how possibly corroded they could be. Uh, there was a beautiful Sequoia. We were like, we bought it and we were about to leave and then we went underneath and it was like, oh God, this is bad. The pinch welds running down the length of the vehicle were completely corroded. Fortunately, we were able to work with the uh, auctioneers who they themselves were misled by the person who's who brought it in for auction 
and they were able to take it back. Okay, so now we have no vehicle for this cheap truck challenge for Toyotas. So then Roman calls and says, uh, come to the office early. We're going to be going and looking at this other thing. And well, he went, and at first he wouldn't tell me what it was. Well, and there's a couple things that happened off camera before all this, where after we had to, we gave that car back to the auction through arbitration, um, uh, there was a couple other Sequoias we looked at. Keep in mind, this was like the peak of the car market. Yep. So prices were outrageous. And... Um, we found a really nice Sequoia, went and looked at it, it wasn't so nice. Found a really nice Sequoia, went and looked at it, and it was two-wheel drive, and the guy had lied about it before four-wheel drive. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about Remember that, that guy. But um, anyways, we had to start the series. We had a cutoff date, and eventually my dad calls you up and says, okay, let's go look at this Land Cruiser. Yeah. Now, um, in essence, we did get it for less money than I think they were advertising it for. I think they were advertising it for... 18? 18, Something yeah. like that? 17? Uh, yeah, and Roman was able to talk them down a little bit, and we got it for 15.5. Yep, that sounds right. Um, and it was in really good shape, but not perfect shape. There still were some things that off-camera you guys didn't see. We had to remove... There was a tow hitch that was all rusty. We had to get rid of that and some other stuff. Yeah, like the power seats failed. Had to get that fixed. It needed some paint work. Had to get a, some paint work done on it. So we're in it probably probably like 1819. Um, but what'd you think of it? Do you like it? It's really cool. Uh, I still prefer a uh, second generation Mitsubishi Montero. Really? That's a I, hot take. I, I, I'm being honest with you. Uh, I, it, in terms of my own personal physical comfort, it's an unusual seating position in that, which a lot of people don't seem to understand. Even though it's a big vehicle, it's not like a big truck. You sit in a very different way when you're inside of a Land Cruiser. And you're kind of sitting high, and you're a little bit close to the steering wheel. It's just a different sensation. Uh, so that wasn't my favorite part of it. Uh, Off-road, it's fantastic. It is absolutely a dog on the streets. It Pretty is slow. pathetically <laughs> slow, which is why they moved to a V8, which a lot of you are like, oh, the purists are like, oh, no, no, straight six is the only way to go. Okay. But when you're living in high elevation, where you're already losing a lot of horsepower, up to 30%, then you're driving this straight six. Yeah, you're gonna have a really hard time passing traffic. Yeah, I, it's especially with the 33s in the lift. It doesn't have a lot of power. Mm. It is built like a bank vault. The interior is pretty cramped. The quality of plastics is incredible, mm -hmm. um, and it it is a looker. People do really like the oh, way it beautiful, looks. Beautiful, beautiful vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. yeah, but it is not a uh, a very easily commutable vehicle. It also gets like 14 in BG. Terrible mileage. Yeah. Absolutely terrible mileage and a relatively small gas tank for a vehicle that gets such poor mileage. So there were problems with it. But in essence, it is a, it drives like a top and it is great off-road. Interestingly, no standard locking rear diff, which I thought was the most bizarre thing. And it turns out there are other versions of it where you can get lockers and whatnot, but that's not the one we bought. Yeah, right. Now, next up, I want to talk about this Ford Mustang GT that we bought. Oh, yeah. Um, S197 2014, final year of this Mustang. Um, and it's a, uh, my dad and I bought it from a older gentleman. It was the original owner. He put about 65,000 miles on it. I think now we're up to like 68. It's for sale right now if you want it, but um, uh, send us an email, info at TFO car. That's my shameless shout out. But actually, genuinely, this car has been awesome. It's a six-speed Coyote Mustang. Um, so underrated, I think. Look, we've raced this car against stuff like the GR Corolla, the Lexus IS500, 
um, C6 Corvette, an early one, and nothing can like run away from this car with reasonable power. This thing just hauls ass for a stock Mustang. The power to weight ratio on these vehicles is surprising. A lot of people should look it up because you'd be surprised how quick they are. And remember, this is the Coyote. This is you know what is being used currently in the modern Mustang. Right. Uh, granted, it's a little bit different now, but just minor updates. Uh, it's a fantastic, very, very flexible powertrain. And the car itself is remarkably quick. I think it's got like weighs like 3,600 pounds. Um, it's not a performance pack car. It's just a cruiser V8. But, you know, we're looking at 420 horsepower. I know we're on like the Gen 4 Coyote now, but really isn't that different mm -hmm. from this generation of Coyote. And from a driving experience, solid rear axle, super comfortable, really cool retro interior. Um, hard to find a stock one now. I like this car a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good car. It's it's going to be hard to say goodbye to it. Uh, we also, we did put an exhaust on it as well, which did wake it up quite a bit in terms of sound. I don't know if it did any difference with the, or made any difference with the uh, performance, honestly. No, not too much, but it's got a nice little burble to it now. Yeah. Um, great car. Yeah, I, I would buy one of these again in a heartbeat, and we're certainly going to lose money on it. So if you want a really nice Mustang, send us an email. Um, okay, so we also have a 1968 Mustang California Special that we purchased for a classic series. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have more on that in a little while, but it's a um, really nice car. Paid 30000 for it. Needs some stuff, manual steering, drum brakes. Uh, but I do want to talk about the next car on the list, 2022 Chevy Bolt. So we bought it for the high 20s. We have it listed on our notes here at 30, but that was after tax. It was like 26 when we bought it. Before tax, what an amazing value the Bolt is. We it was I think one of the biggest surprises of the year. First of all, I'm not a big fan of the way they look aesthetically. I actually think the EUV is even worse. Um, yeah. But the the bolt is just it's kind of a jelly bean type thing. Just it's kind of tall and narrow. Yeah, it just doesn't really do it for me in terms of looks. There are I think better looking vehicles out there. But regardless of that, in terms of what you're getting for the money, its range, its performance, which is actually pretty spry. And the fact that it is just a very utilitarian little electric car, it's fantastic. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it goes 250 realistically miles in the real world, even though it's rated at 240. Apple CarPlay, decent seats. You got keyless entry, um, everything you need in a car for mid-20s. There was only one problem with that car. It charged very slowly. That's it. Yeah, it's not a road 50, tripper. 50, was it? Yeah. 50. Well, it's actually, he was not even 50, it was 49, really. It, it was yeah. not, a, not a fast charging vehicle. So if you were going cross country with it, be prepared for very long stops. But other than its charging speed, that car is a hell of a bargain, better than many competitors that have more range or have more power. In fact, we did a video where we paired it against a Volvo um, XC40, Recharge. Mm -hmm. um, the That's the Model 3. Model 3. And also the Kia um, EV6 GT. And we did a long distance uh, test. And it did, well, you'll have to watch the video. Go to alltfl.com to see that. But you'll find that the results are very surprising. Uh, yeah. I mean, the car kills it in every category. Um, they fixed the battery issue that people were worried about. But it's just an amazing little runabout. If you can get one, especially new, if you can get a tax credit for it, even if you lease it, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, and it is coming back, but it's going to have a hiatus of a couple years, I believe. Yes, that's what I've been heard. Yeah, yeah. So Bolt um, sold it for $25,000. Um, we know the owner who bought it, a guy named James, loves it, is putting a ton of miles on it, no issues. 
And I also think he and his wife just adore the car. So great it's a little great car. little car. So next up on our list, we have a 2016 Jeep Wrangler JK. So it's an AEV build out that was originally like 63, 64 grand new. We bought it for $34,000. And it's uh, once again proven that the JK might be one of my favorite Wranglers. Not exactly what I'd call fast. No, it's pretty slow. It's terribly slow. Yeah. Really inefficient. But also, you know, it's also heavy. Uh, keep in mind that what AEV did was they took, you know, a, a Rubicon essentially, and they strapped on a ton of metal components on there to protect it, make it stiffer, and make it, you know, more off-road capable. Uh, but in doing so, they made it heavier, which does that engine no uh, favors. But, but... It's one of Roman's favorite driving off-road vehicles. He loves the suspension tuning, although I think Tommy and I are on the same page saying that that suspension's on the older side. Yeah, it's a little tired. Yeah, it's very little, soft, which yeah. is nice, but I think it's because it's a little tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, five-speed auto is not amazing. Um, and like, as you mentioned, Nathan, 35 plus the bumpers and the winch and the rack, it doesn't help with the performance, but I still think you get the same capability of a new JL Wrangler. You sacrifice a little bit on the on-road standpoint, but it, the JK from a, uh, an everyday drivable value standpoint, I think is my favorite generation. It's got the right tech. It's got the right interior. It's got the right durability. Yeah. And for like mid thirties compared to a new one, which is going to run you mid fifties, mid sixties before the AEV stuff or Rubicon. Um, this is, this is a way to go. It's a great bargain. And you know, yeah, may not be quite as efficient or maybe it doesn't have quite the tech of the new one it's still pretty good yeah okay next one on the list i want to talk about we bought um in corvette madness we bought a c6 corvette for 25.5 super low miles thirty-four thousand miles these cars are getting pretty cheap um it was an ls2 corvette um, and look, here's the thing about the, um, I'm trying to type and talk at the same time. So I can I'm get a picture. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? Is it's more expensive by quite a long shot compared to the C5 generation. The later C6 has got the LS3, a lot more power. I'd probably skip the early C5s and or early C6s, get an older one or a newer one, but kind of this era, like, oh, uh, was that 05 through 07 with the older LS2, not as impressive as the later one. So get a later one. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite uh, out of all the cars we had. Well, and the clutch went to the floor. Yeah, and the drag strip. Oh, that cost us an awful lot of dough. Lost so much money in this car. So we bought it for 25, 5, 34,000 miles. We were in it like 28 when it was all set and done, sold it for 23. Um, yeah. And the audience, you guys just didn't care about the C6 very much. So. And I don't blame you because it's, the, I think, the least attractive of all the Corvettes. You don't like the C6, huh, Nathan? No, I really don't. I, I don't like the exposed headlight look or any of that. Okay, fair enough. Um, so next up, Nathan, 2021 Ford Bronco. We bought it in 21, but we sold it this year. Bought it for 69, sold it for 65 when the market was still strong on Broncos. Do you like the Bronco? It surprised me in ways I didn't expect it to surprise me. Um, I, I've been yelled at quite a bit. We went off-road, and right after we got this Bronco, right after we got it, we took it off-road to Redcone against uh, <laughs> the Defender, uh, which Tommy was driving, and, yeah, yeah. and there's, there's, there's some great video on that, and also a uh, Jeep Wrangler 4xE, mm -hmm. and I drove the 4xE, and I still maintain that it feels, at least the seat of the pants, that the 4xE might be a little bit more maneuverable off-road. Definitely. But in terms of uh, the overall... Game winner, the one who can do it all, the 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 utility player, that's got to be the Bronco. The Bronco handles 
really good on the street by comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, you could drive it every day. It's quite comfortable to drive. Uh, so the seating position is better, I think, than in the Jeep, and it's also more comfortable than the Jeep. And then off-road, it's comparable to the Jeep, perhaps not quite as maneuverable. It felt like it was working harder with articulation, but that's just, once again, seat of the pants. Numbers on the paper may be a little bit different than, than what they actually are when you take it off-road, but it's a great, great ride. As an all-rounder, good power, twin-turbo V6, amazing off-road capability with the sway bar disconnect and the front-locking diffs. I think it beats the Wrangler, like you mentioned, from a usability standpoint. It tows more than the Jeep. Um, well, it tows the same as the Jeep. I think they're both at yeah, 3,505, yeah. depending on the config. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I like it more than what Jeep has done with the Wrangler. The Wrangler needs to kind of enter the, the 21st century with some new improvements from on-road drivability. Yes. With seat comfort, especially, that really is a big problem with Jeeps. And Ford has just kind of taken the Wrangler playbook and improved on it in a lot of ways, and they did a great job. I think they did. I, yep. I, I, in fact, I like the Bronco Sport as well, which we didn't buy. No. I think that's a good buy as well. It's also great. So, Nathan, I want to talk about uh, one other one before we talk about your car and my car that we're driving. Um, the uh, I forgot to mention it on the list, but we bought a 95 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am for 6600 Oh, I forgot about that one, yeah. Comp TA sold it for nine grand um, after, once again, we put quite a bit of work into that car. Um, look, it's cool car, very 90s, pop-up headlights, um, terrible interior mm. doesn't handle very well no. i i didn't love it the lt1 is hard to tune up it's hard to find people to work on the lt1s um i would get a corvette uh, f bodies are cool i get it but get a later one with the ls1 that's a more impressive vehicle like the camaro or even the trans am but um yeah not not a winner for me i hate to say it uh, but nathan let's talk about your vehicle that you personally own your santa cruz yeah i've had it now for 13 months yep and uh Bought it for about $32,000, and I decided uh, I didn't want to get the turbo only because I didn't want to get the dual-clutch transmission. Hmm. So I got the regular 2.5 liter, which is a little bit anemic, frankly, up here. Uh, I was hoping it would be more economical, which is supposed to be on paper. It really isn't. Um, in addition, <clears throat> pardon me, in addition, the vehicle has proven to be a very... Stout little uh, snow vehicle. Nice. Very good in the snow. Good. Excellent in the snow. Uh, I towed with it a few times. Then they took away my wiring harness for the tow hitch and as a recall and haven't returned it. And that was 11 months ago now. Oh, man. So I still <laughs> am not able to legally tow with it because of that. Uh, but I've hauled tons with it, literally tons with it. Uh, food for the homeless with big uh, uh, stacks of cans. Uh, lumber, various types of firewood, you name it, I put it in there. I've used it more like a pickup truck than a lot of people who own pickup trucks use them. And it's been great. It actually has a load leveling rear suspension, which is, uh, it's it's a mechanical setup. It mm. doesn't use any electronics and it works great. So really, really good car, not perfect. Um, the interior comfort's good, but the uh, ergonomics, eh, they're not so great. And then it has a piano black finish, which just sucks up dust yeah. constantly. Every time my wife gets in there, she's like, oh, it's so dusty. It's just dusty everywhere. It's like, Look, I just dusted it the other day. <laughs> um, yeah, there, and there are some other little issues here and there that, that I have with it. But really my biggest gripe is just the fact that the uh, fuel mileage isn't as good as I wanted it to be. 
uh, or as, it, as advertised, and also that wiring harness delay is ridiculous. Yeah, that is a bummer. But I love the color on yours, Nathan. Yeah, I got that. that it's a sage gray, which is really green. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted a green car, so now I have a green car. And you got those little BFG uh, kind of trail train Trail tires. trains, yep. and, and that's what may, really helps it in the snow, but also in the mud. I have taken it off-road, but only lightly. And by the way, mine did come with a proper skid plate that came out of the factory that way. Nice. And which does protect underneath the radiator and some other components in that area. But it's really not like a full belly tray or anything like that. You do not want to bounce it around on rocks, but it, it does okay. It's better off-road than the dual clutch, I think, because that one does overheat if you overdo it. Yeah, it's got some problems. Yeah, yeah. definitely the one to get is the the small, well, the larger engine, lower horsepower, but torque converter auto. Uh, no, they're both 2.5s. Are they? Yeah. I thought it was 1.6. Oh, maybe it is a 2.5. No, no that's in the other Hyundai. I was thinking you're yeah, right. Other yeah, other Hyundais are, yeah. You're right. Uh, but the, but the, the, the thing is, is that it's that twin clutch that really doesn't. And we had a bunch of recalls on ours. Yeah. Um, and it took three recalls, and they finally got it right. After the third recall. It was better. It, it drove better. But it, there's still people who gripe about the, um, the twin clutch. So personally speaking, in terms of smoothness, this is a better transmission option a little bit. So the last vehicle we'll talk about, there's a couple others that we're using in a series coming up, which you want to stay tuned for. But I did purchase a 2006 Land Rover LR3 from the company. We bought it at a super seedy, scary public auction for 4567 And then I bought it from the company for $4,567. Um, and it has been awesome. It's a V6 uh, base model, no options, no Is that a seats. Ford V6 in that one? Yeah, it's the Explorer V6. Oh, no kidding. Exactly right, Nathan, yeah. But it's been the most comfortable car I've ever owned. It's been um, the most daily drivable car I've ever owned. It floats over everything. Um, it's just been awesome. I, I just drove it on a 1,200-mile um, road trip with my fiance and her whole family and the dog in the middle of nowhere, which was, according to the internet, a bold move in a Land Rover. Yes. And it no problems. The thing killed it, hit big snow. Um, absolutely love this car. Have no plans on selling it. I'm modifying a little bit. Just put rock rails on it in a winch. It's got tires that just showed up at the office, and I will keep you updated as to whether or not stuff breaks. All right. Well, there you go. I think it's an interesting buy, especially considering that now half the staff at TFL has owned or does own a Land Rover or Range Rover. Yeah, so Case, our videographer, has a Disco 2, which he just lifted. It looks really good. It looks really good. Alex, our videographer, also bought an LR3, but a V8 one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we'll, uh, we got we got a lot of Land Rover madness. Plus your dad's Range Rover. My dad's Range Rover. That's another one he bought, which we'll talk about in a future episode. It still works. Nothing's broken. Knocking we also have... Wood. Or a Model 3, and we'll have more updates on those shortly. Um, but guys, let us know what you think in the comments. Absolutely. Are any of these vehicles that we sold, do you think, hmm, TFL should have held on to them? Or the other way around, are you thinking, it's time to sell that car? Let us know in the comments below. Yeah, and as always, it's been Tommy. And Nathan. Check out all TFL. Are you wearing the shirt? Oh, Nathan's wearing Rush. I never wear these Rush shirts, ever. <laughs> AllTFL.com for more podcasts. See you guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.